a beastly performance by one Nate Stanley with six, count them, six touchdown passes. I think, uh, Bill, that number uh, has a little bit of resonance in Iowa football lore, does it not? It does. That was uh, tied Chuck Long for second most touchdown passes in a game. The uh, record was owned by Chuck Hartley, who threw seven, but still rare air that's that's a uh, good company to be keeping if you're if you're nate stanley well welcome everybody into the 12 saturdays podcast uh your usual mc james bladel is in some obscure eastern european country so he's not joining us at this present time although we hope to add him in a little later once we can get the time zone thing figured out did you catch where he's at bill was it Podgorica? Is that even how you say it? Or Montenegro? I don't. I don't even know. Well, I think one is the city and one is the country, and I think Montenegro is the city, which, if I know my European languages right, means Black Mountain. I think. Which why not just call it Black Mountain then? Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> we're here celebrating a, an Iowa victory, and uh, for those of you who had a chance to read Tuesdays with Torby this week, you'll know. Uh, I kind of missed the best parts of the second half as I was dealing with a uh, boat full of disgusting rainwater filled with raccoon crap. So that was awesome. Yummy. I was actually on a party bus, and I missed the second half too, but then I came home and uh, watched it. So I forgot to record it, Bill, like an idiot. I've got to get better about that for road games because I, I, I'm actually hoping we're recording here on Monday night, so I'm hoping to watch the uh, condensed uh, in 60 minutes version, but I haven't seen it yet. And I thought I may have seen in the background, um, pole dancers, Bill. There, there were those. Yeah, it was, it was, it's not your average, uh, Bill D Saturday. I promise you that that's, that's not how awesome I am, but it, it certainly was a fun day Saturday for me. But pole dancing lawyers, right? They they are indeed lawyers who pole dance. Yes, and that's amazing. All right, well, <laughs> and you're gonna get me in trouble if you yeah, keep going. Yeah, I was gonna on. say the the less said, probably the better at this point. Uh, what so what happened on the party bus stays on the party bus. So let's move on to to talk about football. I will say, I guess my biggest takeaway from the game, the parts that I did watch, and uh, confession, I did see a little of the second half actually. Um, but uh, boy, was the play calling aggressive, or or was were my eyes deceiving me? It the play calling reminded me of me playing PlayStation. I mean, just step on their throat and never uh, let up. There was a point uh, with under a minute left where we were still throwing. Indiana called a timeout uh, with I think three seconds on the clock. And remember, I've I've only seen this hungover after a party bus. They skipped the ten second runoff on an Iowa penalty. At which point we tried to throw it to Brandon Smith for a touchdown. Uh, it was an incomplete pass, and the game ended. But that's that's not Kirk Ferentz as we know him. I, I guess we have to presume maybe a little bit of uh, bad blood, or at least something must have irritated the Iowa coaches, right, Bill? Because that's sort of uh, that's very unferencian. Totally, and I mean I don't want to you know make a beef where there isn't one, but the handshake seemed okay at the end of the game but yeah i mean uh this tom allen uh indiana's head coach he's a feisty guy he was he's a screamer so yeah maybe maybe he did something that rubbed the iowa staff the wrong way you know at first that did kind of irritate me his uh kind of getting on the officials and and his level of animation and then i i kind of thought to myself though you know in a program that has traditionally just been kind of snoozy 
with snoozy fans. You know, maybe that's something they need. Maybe they need a little juice to get themselves going. I think they yeah. kind of had this game circled too as their like last big chance to have a you know real nice season by their standards. And uh, not only did they not pull an upset, it really wasn't much of a game at all. No, I mean, um, outside of the opening drive, which that opening drive, I was like, here we go. You know, it, it's so hard for me to to buy into Iowa having a great offense. And <laughs> here comes, you know, Beth Moen's on the call, 11 a.m. kick, <laughs> you know, several thousand spectators in Bloomington, IU marching it down the field. I was thinking, okay, here comes the 17-15 type of game, but after that it was all Hawks, and, and what a fun game to watch. Well, you know, what's funny is for me it was actually after the uh, Stanley interception, and then Indiana immediately comes down, gets a touchdown, makes it 14-10, to and I was like, oh, God, here we go. It's going to be one of these where it's just going to go back and forth, and whoever has the ball last wins the damn thing. Uh, but the defense finally did clamp down after that, and you know, outside of that one interception, other than that, Nate was uh, he was he was looking sharp for the for the most part of the game. Although I did hear some criticism that uh, he's kind of uh, I guess rainbowing or arcing the ball a little too much. I don't know. I didn't really pick up on that though. No, and I mean it. The one gorgeous pass that he threw to Fant, which was his second touchdown pass. Um, I can totally see that there there was a, a nice arc on it, but you know contrast that with last year where you know he just kind of rockets it up into the air and and overshoots the guy. I mean this gives the or the receiver the opportunity to get under it. So um, you know if 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 that's the the criticism of a quarterback who throws six touchdowns in a game, I, I guess the quarterback's doing pretty well. Well, and hey, I mean it's showing some faith in your receivers too. It's kind of the old. You know, if there's man coverage out there, I'm going to throw it up and presume you're going to get it because that's your job. And uh, it's great to see him have that level of confidence in what, you know, for years we've been complaining is a real weak point for Iowa. Um, Granted, the tight ends were the stars as usual in this game, but the receivers are good enough, Bill, that I don't think teams can completely key in on that tight end passing game. I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're going to try to stop Iowa, where do you go? Absolutely, I'm going to, you know, sell out to stop the the tight ends and make them make the receivers beat me. And it's looking like ISM and Brandon Smith are are stepping up. And and who can forget easily? I mean, he's kind of the forgotten man there because now we actually have legit Big Ten guys here. But well, yeah, and then the running game weapons. gets going, and then the running game gets going, and we're throwing touchdowns to the frickin' uh, fullback. <laughs> the mm-hmm. backup fullback, for God's <laughs> sake. So, I mean, uh, what a what a strange place to be as a as an Iowa fan to to think about your multifaceted offensive attack that you can't really shut down because if you shut down the run game, they'll hit you with the pass. If you shut down the receivers, they'll hit you with the tight end. If you get that all tightened up, then the fullback's gonna nail you. So, <laughs> that's it's been a long time <laughs> since we got to say that. I think way too long. Yeah. And our uh, kind of patched together defense, um, I didn't think they looked too shaky out there against a, a pretty solid Indiana attack. No, and as a matter of fact, you know, you said patched together. I think we're coming out of this deal now. I think uh, against Maryland and certainly against Penn State, barring any further injuries, uh, we're going to be at, at full health for this last run. And I think we just 
watched Iowa develop some really good depth at positions where we need it, at linebacker and in the secondary. So, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this looks like one of Iowa's better teams, and I don't think that's hyperbole. It really does, and I, I guess, you know, you look at the at Indiana and at Minnesota, and you get kind of squirmy about those being the kind of uh, bed-crapping games that seem to pop up from time to time under this re- coaching regime. Um, but, boy, after those two performances, I, I'm not that worried. I mean, I will say this. I think Purdue is starting to find themselves again. Uh, mm-hmm. Granted, they didn't play the world's best opponent <laughs> this week, but, you know, they're they're scary. And, as you know, I'm still a believer in Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats, even though <laughs> him and you aren't that much. But uh, they're the kind of team that, that can put a scare in you, too. Um, but, you know, even Penn State doesn't look as intimidating now. I mean, I, I don't think Michigan State's as good as Iowa, and they went into Penn State and won. Very true, yeah. And it's hard to forget that as Iowa fans, we should know that any team can beat any team on any given weekend. But this team doesn't look like the team that the Iowa fielded pre-Wisconsin. I mean, I think the bye week, something clicked. I don't know if it was Kirk. Uh, you know, preaching to Stanley to go out there and have some fun, or if Phil Parker really challenged the defense. But this is this is a, a six-game stretch that I'm I'm pretty optimistic for, and I can't wait. Well, before we turn to our guest, who is a a, a repeat customer, but a fantastic guest as usual, uh, a couple other items I wanted to touch on real quick. Bill, what did you think of the uh, poll coming in ranked 19th? I I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of keep an eye on those things. And you and I both thought 22 seemed like the right number. We were essentially 26. We were the, the team receiving the most votes that was out of the top 25 going into the Indiana game. I could never have seen a, a seven spot move. Thank God for a lot of upsets. But, you know, maybe that's some overcorrection on behalf of the uh, pollsters. Because, you know, we we have played a good schedule. Every team we've beaten is over 500. I mean, we're we're kind of the team in the West with the fewest chinks in the armor to uh, to steal Mike Zeroth's line there. Yeah, I, I was kind of going to say that it felt to me almost like collectively the pollsters kind of looked at the stats and looked at the record and were like, oh, crap, Iowa, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean... Let's give some props to our friends over in Ames. You know, a uh, couple big wins since Iowa beat them. You know, that, you know, we were kind of feeling bad that we could only manage a 10 point win against them and really couldn't get our offense going. But um, they, they might have a, a pretty good team over there in Ames this year. And I think that that's going to end up looking like a, a pretty solid win when it's all said and done. Yeah, hey, maybe the uh, pollsters just had to talk to their children about a ranked Iowa before they before they got it out there. <laughs> That's it. And uh, and as long as we're heaping praise on Iowa State, um, very nice a little brother to wear none of their school colors and one of ours <laughs> in their big primetime game last night. That was quite the uh, tribute. So, you know, I, I actually did root for Iowa State, kind of. Felt like kissing your sister, but whatever. Um, well, they weren't playing West them. Virginia, so that's just natural. That's true, yeah. But yeah, they, you know, this is this is where the Iowa State love stops. They totally stole our blackout uniforms, first of all, and then in their halftime show, they had all the uh, uh, T Rex costumed guys come out and they they played Jurassic Park, 
which Michigan did two years ago. Is is anything original in Ames? <laughs> imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and they they have true. nothing to feel good about, so they just imitate their betters. I I can I can live with that. It's true, but but yes, that was a great win, and and has to reflect well upon Iowa. And secondly, a little farther west, uh, did you get the <laughs> pleasure of of seeing the complete debacle meltdown? Bed crapping, I don't know what you want to call whatever it was that, that happened in Nebraska last week. I, I did, and uh, full disclosure, most of the people on my party bus were Nebraska fans, so um, it, it was a sloppy, you know, kind of depressing mess there uh, at the, around the end of that game. How, how, how hard were you biting your tongue to keep from laughing out loud, though? I was pretty liquored up, so I wasn't biting my tongue at all. I, I was. <laughs> there was some smack talking going on, was there? <laughs> Just... Just a little bit. So you know what that means. That means that Northwestern gets to keep NU for the year, right? Isn't that what they're always fighting <laughs> over? I, I, if they don't, they should. I love that. And why is the University of Nebraska call themselves NU? In their fight song, one of the lines is, Dear old Nebraska U. And that's kind of an old Big 8 thing. Kansas is the University of Kansas, but they call themselves KU. So. True. I don't know. I, don't I guess know. we can't talk too much that it's, smack because technically we are SUI, right? The State University of Iowa. So, uh, technically, I guess I don't know. That's a hundred years before us. <laughs> you still see it though, like in old uh, snapshots and things like that. So, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, bring on our guest because yeah. clearly, I don't think the intelligent football talk is going to get much farther than what you and I have been able to accomplish here, Bill. <laughs> Uh, so as, <laughs> so our guest tonight is the incomparable Scott Dockerman, currently uh, scribed for The Athletic, which, by the way, if you don't subscribe to now, I highly recommend ad-free, subscription-based, top-notch sports news of any sport that you could like. Uh, also formerly of Land of Ten and the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and a longtime friend of the 12 Saturdays pod. Let's bring on Scott. Well, everybody, we have a friend of the pod, Scott Dockerman on. Scott, how are things in the athletic world? Hey, we're great in the athletic world. And uh, it's interesting tonight as we record, you know, I'm watching about, you know, kind of the ghosts of Hawkeye's past here on Monday Night Football with uh, C.J. Beathard airing it out and uh, George Kittle and Josh Jackson and <laughs> all the so many former Hawkeyes in this Monday Night Football game. It's uh, one minor bone to pick, though. Kittle fumbles on a beautiful pass from CJ. And it's like, man, come on, CJ's not catching any breaks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta but hold on to that one, man. <laughs> yeah, <old> buddy. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of yep. airing it out, what about uh, the Hawkeyes in Bloomington? Did you see that one coming? <laughs> you know, the way that they are moving forward through the air, it's, it's not that I would say I, I saw six touchdown passes coming. But you could see the the positive movement of this passing game, kind of the way it's been progressing, and now it's at a position where they are uh, they're dangerous through the air, and we haven't said that for a long time, and uh, and and part of that is Nate Stanley his development growth, but then the the tight ends, I mean I think they're two of the best in the country. And the wide receivers have grown along with it. So I think you're seeing this natural progression of all three. And then Indiana decided to blitz on every down. Iowa's offensive line picked up every blitz, gave, you know, Stanley enough time to find his tight ends who were 
single covered, <laughs> you know, and uh, just shredded them. So, no, I didn't see six touchdowns coming, but I saw a big performance coming. Hey, just to piggyback off Tori's question, since the Wisconsin game and before that, I mean, our offense kind of looked hit or miss. We were shaky. What do you think the difference is? What Did something happen over the bye week, or or, or where did all these points and, and airing it out come from? Well, I think it's really been almost a tale of two seasons and <laughs> for the passing game. The first two games, um, you could tell that there was a, almost that Nate Stanley was pressing too much. He was aiming with his passes. He wasn't just letting it flow and, and throw it. And, and uh, you know, even, um, you know, because ob- it was so obvious and stark, the difference between, you know, his first two games and his last four that, you know, Ferentz referenced it the other day that he was just pressing too much. And, and then that was obvious to see. And he's like, you know, hey, you know, have some fun out there. You know, football's funny. He's so serious. And, and you could just, you know, I don't know if that helped him or – but really there was one play in particular that I think allowed the offense to exhale and it's changed the offense over the last four weeks. And that's that pass from from uh, Stanley to uh, – to Brandon Smith at the end of that Iowa State game that punched in the touchdown, you know, a play later. And it just, you could just see this relief, like, ah, oh, it's finally happened, you know, that, and he's cut it loose since then. I mean, his last four games have been four, four of the greatest passing, you know, four game block that we've ever seen at Iowa. I mean, 66% completion percentage, you know, he's 1,199 yards, 14 touchdowns, only four interceptions. His yards per attempt is almost uh, 9.8, and three out of those four games have been 300-yard games. That's rare. I mean, only one other quarterback has done the 14 touchdowns over four games, and that was Chuck Long. Um, And to see the way they escalated, and and then you involve the tight ends with that, and Brandon Smith's growth, and Amir Smith-Barset as a a deep threat. You see this all coming forward, and it's like, holy cow. You know, so, um, you know, really, it's hard to really pinpoint one simple thing. I just think he, Stanley's playing more relaxed, and I think in turn that the receivers are playing with less pressure, and everybody has benefited from it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Bill and I were kind of talking about that earlier, basically saying that, you know, if you try to really – limit and stop Iowa's tight ends they can hit you with the receivers a little bit now and if you really clamp down on the entire passing game then you still have a really solid run game as well um you know if you're a defensive coordinator in the Big Ten Scott uh what do you try to shut down for Iowa and and is are they multi-dimensional enough now to to really be a, a tough out for a defense yeah they are actually I mean there's really no way you can slow this team down. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not prone to hyperbole when it comes to the Hawkeyes, but I think this time, <laughs> this time around, I, I think it's, um, this is a damn dangerous offense. And it's, and the scariest part is, it's just starting to get going. Um, you look at the last two weeks. Granted, Minnesota and Indiana are not going to go to the Rose Bowl this year, uh, but they have a chance to to go to a bowl game. And both tried different ways to slow down Iowa's offense. The Gophers put eight in the box and said, you know, Iowa will not run on us. And then they'll take their chances with the receiving core. Well, 
what happened was, you know, sure, they did a nice job, a decent job against the tight ends, certainly did against the run, but then they they got bloodied by the wide receivers. Brandon Smith makes that incredible catch. Amir Smith-Marset catches a 60-yard touchdown. Mick Easley catches a touchdown across the middle where he gets hit really hard at the goal line. And it, it just shows, you know, okay, that they're able to step up when other things are being taken away. And then this last week, what Indiana did was blitz on almost every single play. Um, on all eight receptions by the tight ends, the Indiana blitzed with at least five. And in six of those eight plays, six de- defense defenders rushed the quarterback. Now they have an offensive line that can stop that. They only allowed six sacks in six games. That's incredible, especially with the amount of blitzing that Indiana did. They've got a quarterback now who's comfortable enough to move in the pocket and make plays. They've got running backs who could step up and take on those blocks. Um, Makai Sargent should not be, you know, is a little bit underrated because uh, he, he's able to, to take those blocks head on. So now what you're going to see is some team, and I don't know if it's going to be Maryland, I don't know if it's going to be Penn State, you know, or, or what, is going to say, you know what, we've got to take away the, the passing game because that's too dangerous. They're getting chunks of yards right now. Um, and then once they back off and you see a seven-man front versus an eight, then that's when they're going to go back to the run. And Ivory Kelly Martin, I think, is talented enough to really exploit that. So, um, yeah, they're multidimensional. Um, they're they're moving, you know, in a, a really high level. And, and again, with the, you look at the players who are out there. You know, I mean, Fant is, you know, we all kind of assume that he's going to be gone, but he's still only a junior. Um, you have a sophomore, the other tight end, DJ um, Hawkinson, who may be the best in the country. He's mm-hmm. certainly playing like it. You have Smith, Smith, Marset, who are sophomores. You know, Kelly Martin's a sophomore. Stanley's a, a junior. You know, Jackson and and Worf's, you know, a very good tackle combination. They're only sophomores. Um, so right now, you just figure as soon as they continue to make progress, this offense could be one of the best in the country. Absolutely. And so far, this podcast has sounded very unlike other podcasts we've done where we're just, you know, praising the offense. Um, We've used the word hyperbole twice so far on this uh, (laughs) podcast, because I think as Iowa fans, we're not trying to uh, get too far ahead of ourselves. But um, you brought up Penn State and Maryland. Who in this last uh, the second half of the season scares you? Who do you think is out there that that could trip Iowa up? Purdue. I think Purdue's probably you know, Purdue or Penn State, but yeah, um, Purdue with Rondale Moore is so good. I mean, you know, it, it really it's it, he's a different position player than Antoine Randall L, but he's got that kind of ability Ooh. where you're just going to go. I mean, you're literally going to be your stomach's going to be in knots for four quarters because he's you know they have an explosive offense and Iowa can keep up, but. You know, sometimes, you know, you got a team that continues to score. It kind of, you know, for, you know, that adds to the pressure. I think Penn State and Purdue back to back because you got four road games at a five week stretch. You know, that last one's Purdue. That That's the one that could be the challenging one. Like this week coming up uh, against Maryland, um, you know, and kind of analyzing this matchup today, I, you know, Maryland is kind of built. Uh, I think this is a real problem for Maryland going against Iowa versus the other way around. And it's not, I think Maryland's talented, um, but they're good at the areas where Iowa is good, really good. Um, like offensively, they're, um, 
very, you know, a very good running team. Well, Iowa's third in the country at stopping the run. Iowa's perimeter is much better than what it was, say, four years ago when, you know, Jet Sweeps got them all the time. Well, now, you know, they should have Nick Neiman back. You got Amani Hooker. Um, you know, the, the defensive ends are really good. So they're not going to be quite as gouged the way they had been in the past. And then they're a terrible passing team. I mean, they're 125th in the country. Ooh. So their Iowa can shut them down, make them one dimensional, and then they're not going to get anywhere, you know. And then now they have a pretty good secondary. So that, that may cause some issues, but uh, for Iowa's offense, maybe they don't score. 40 plus points <laughs> maybe it's only 31 you know but uh I, I so i i just don't think that they can they're built to play iowa now purdue is so purdue has their defense struggles but they still have some players so i would probably point to that one matchup as if if iowa can win that game by one point right now doesn't matter how pretty it looks take it because they're they're kind of a dangerous team yeah, I feel, I feel you on that one uh, for sure, Scott. And the thing that with Maryland, too, that I think people kind of underestimate a little bit, but I notice, I think, it, at the college level, those longer road trips seem to get teams wonky. I mean, I was at the Iowa-Maryland game when they played out there, and Iowa was mm-hmm. much more talented than that Maryland team. And But the atmosphere was kind of weird and sleepy, and it was different time zone and the time the Iowa just looked out of sorts and I feel Maryland's going to be walking into the same thing you know out here in the what they consider the hinterlands uh you know <laughs> for them it'll be uh you know a, a noon start and I, I just think it'll be a little weird for them so I, I like Iowa's chances there um you know I feel a lot better about Penn State now that I watched Michigan State go in there and win and what I feel is a pretty mediocre Michigan State team this year. Did you watch that game, Scott? And if so, uh, what did Penn State do wrong? I, I missed most of it. I didn't get a chance to see most of it, and that's been, you know, I was, you know, I was going on in the press box while I was writing, so I kind of kept my head up and down and stuff. But, you know, the, the, I, more than Iowa and Wisconsin, I think Iowa and Michigan State are more alike. Um because they have that tendency to, to take out a team that, you know, most of the time you don't think they should. And both of them do it routinely. And in this case, you know, they were just, they're, they're very diligent and physical. They're a very good run defense. I think they're a little bit better than Iowa is in that. And so, you know, they're able to kind of slow down Penn State's offense. And, and once you get past the Trace McSorley factor, and he's, he's dynamite, no doubt about it, then, Penn State's beatable. They're they're kind of average. Their offensive line isn't very good. You know they lost a lot of players in their secondary. You know they lost a lot of skill position players. So they're they're not the same team they were even a year ago. So um, Michigan State has a way, just like Iowa does, of you know kind of negating um, teams that have that kind of athletic superiority, and then they then they turn it into a fist fight, and that's how they win some of these matchups and Iowa does the same thing. So um yeah, I mean going to Happy Valley, I I don't think that Iowa's at some sort of great disadvantage, you know, physically. I mean, I think they're in a better position than they were last year. Last year, you know, would would have felt like stealing a game. Right. Um whereas this year if they win, um then you'd feel like, you know what, maybe they are the better team. Yeah, I'm kicking myself, uh well not myself. I'm proverbially kicking the team should be kicking themselves for letting that Wisconsin game slip away in retrospect. I, I think, uh, 
you know, that might be one of those few cases where maybe the better team actually did lose. I, I know the Badger fans will roll their eyes at that, and they've earned mm-hmm. their place in the West. I, I'm not taking that away from their very good team, but maybe not vintage Badgers this year. Um, but with all this talk and all, and all the hype and feeling good, you know, kind of level set for us, Scott. What, what as fans, what should fans expect or hope for like uh are we talking like a uh, new year's six level bowl here or be disappointed or something in that stratosphere uh how how giddy should we be you know what i think you should be really excited and iowa has i you know it's, it's probably the most insecure fan base i can i know of and that's from being well, around because they shit too. the bed on us every year scott at some oh, point so we, so we can cuss on your podcast well i mean we try to keep right. it to the pg-13 level but sometimes huh. it's warranted okay so it's fx night um <laughs> <laughs> sweet i can start doing it no i i really think that um yeah, I, I, and I understand that. I understand the frustration of, you know, wow, you, you, how can you lose to North Dakota State and then beat number two Michigan? Or how can you beat Ohio State 55-24 and then lose to, to Purdue two weeks later or get 66 yards at Wisconsin? And I don't know how <laughs> that happens. That's but, football, but happens. a wise man said. <laughs> right. You know, and it's the what it's what happens and it's frustrating. And that's why Iowa fans just have this hesitancy to – to just go all in and embrace not, their inner Nebraska fan. You know, the, <laughs> not to interrupt Scott, and I actually am from Nebraska, but I have found myself this season, and especially the last couple weeks, you know, thinking, so how does this all culminate in the loss in the Outback Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it it's, seems too good to be true to think anything else. So, oh, yeah. I tell you what, though, this, this team's special. This team's got um, – athletes that we haven't seen around here since 2010 and um you know the 15 team was such a a magical story because they were so gritty and tough and you know mentally tough and full of just fantastic character people and and some good talent don't get me wrong but you know you know des king cj bethard and josie jewell and some of those but this team is got it where it needs to to be successful which is wide receiver it can stretch the field and and do some good things it's got playmakers on the offensive side of the ball it's got a line that's better than that one was it's got you know the defensive line it's like it can attack it can just do so many different things and you know the back seven there was was special i mean with guys like uh you know as i mentioned desmond king greg mabins did the nfl um, you know, Josh Jackson was the fourth corner. Uh, he was pretty good too. So, uh, but this one, I'd embrace it. I think have some fun because the next six weeks, I think are going to be fun. I don't, I don't see them blowing a game. I see them if they lose, it's there's a reason why they lose. It's not just they, the old Ferentz. Oh God, they got conservative. They blew it. You know, no, I think it's you know maybe it's a Purdue game that they lose 47 to 44. You know, or Penn State by a field goal, but even then, I, I mean, I kind of think they might. At worst, they're going to go five and one the rest of the way. And I, I mean, I think they're the best team in the West. I think Wisconsin's going to lose two or three more times, and uh, probably two, two more times. And uh, I think I was going to have a chance to go to Indy. So, you know, give give it in, give into it, enjoy it. 
you know, it's, it's you're halfway through the season and you see this team that's just continuously getting better. Um, Indy's a possibility. If they get to Indy, then you're talking probably New Year's six. Um, and if you know, of course, if they win, if they run the table, they're going to the playoff. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Playoffs. <laughs> All right, folks, you heard it here. Scott Dockerman says to I didn't predict it. buy your college football playoff tickets, non-refundable, and flights now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, no I mean, seriously. They, well, they would they would probably be played in the Cotton Bowl against Alabama, and so they, the dream will end. But, no, I mean, but, but real, realistically, though, I mean, I don't think 11-1 and one is that far-fetched. I'm not predicting it, but I'm, I'm saying that, I wouldn't surprise me. And then if they go to Indy, you know, and play Ohio State, eh, I don't like that matchup very much. Michigan, I think it's an even matchup. And, uh, you know, it could be Rose Bowl if they win or if it could, you know, a playoff or, you know, certainly I, I just don't – the Outback Bowl won't happen this year. So you're not saying, you're just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it won't be the Outback Bowl. <laughs> it might be the Holiday Bowl or the Citrus Bowl, but it won't be the Outback Bowl. Well, I'm always ready to go to San Diego or any place warm. So um, I, I I like what you're putting down here, Scott. I think uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, I guess it's more fun as a reporter to uh, cover a winning team, too. Uh, how, how, I know we hadn't talked about it that much, but life's still treating you well there at The Athletic, uh, enjoying uh, being up there with the big boys covering big boy college football? I do. I enjoy what they're doing here with The Athletic, the – you know, the kind of the what they want us to do. It's not, and, you know, like uh, my last place where they made us do like 12 different things a day. No, I mean, this one's more about quality and enjoying the, you know, and trying to, to write good stories that are beyond, you know, maybe the, the regular day-to-day stuff. And so, I'm, you know, I, I really enjoy working for The Athletic. I enjoy being connected not only to the under the college football umbrella, but also, you know, nationally to some really good college basketball writers. And, and uh, you know, the, the Athletic in Chicago did some excellent work with the Cubs, I thought, all year. And, and you know, and then if you got Vikings fans or even Packers fans or 49ers fans, I mean, it's all connected into one big, you know, group. So, yeah, they, I, I have nothing to complain about, which is incredibly rare for uh, for journalists. Scott, <laughs> that's so awesome. And, um, once again, I've, I've sung the athletics praises on this podcast before and, and on Hawkeye Report. Um, it's so worth the, the subscription. Um, I've gotten into the national guys, um, talking about national sports. Um, I only signed up to follow Hawkeye Sports, so I feel like that's a, a huge bonus. Um, and I think we'll, we'll tweet out the link here to, uh, to sign up for it if, if anybody's interested, because it's, it's worth it. We can't praise it enough. No, well, well, thank you. I really appreciate it, and and it's uh, you know so I think they're you know general general encouragement for us to look at things that are not obvious has really helped me you know as a reporter and you know finding things like you know I, I mean this is one stat I haven't told you that I, I thought was the most impressive of all over the last weekend which which was Nate Stanley was uh, eight of nine for two hundred and ten yards. And seven first downs on third down you know, last amazing. weekend. Yeah, you know, but uh, getting it done when it matters, right? Yeah, and so the, you know the athletic you know doesn't have a 
you know, a, a deadline and get this done by now, 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 you know, five different stories on a day. So it allows me to spend a little more time at the end of the games to research some things and pull things out like that. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, I, I really like being able to use that kind of context. Well, I know Iowa fans appreciate it. And, uh, we here at 12 Saturdays appreciate you always taking time to hang out with the fans and uh, get, share your perspective. So, Scott, as always, uh, it's a more than a pleasure to have you, and uh, hopefully maybe we'll get to talk to you on a pre-bowl podcast. How's about that? Hey, that sounds great, Tori. And one of these days I need to swing by the, the press citizen office and uh, head to Mickey's or someplace. <laughs> right on. Pop in. Uh, lots of Lots of fun Areas we could go to George's and get some uh, good cheeseburgers and watch the Ham's beer sign scroll by, man. Yeah, it sounds great, man. <laughs> All right, see you, Scott. Thanks, Story. Thanks, Scott. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll chat soon. Yep, for sure. Well, what can you say? Uh, that's about as high on the Hawks as I've ever heard uh, Scott Dockerman, and he's been following a long time. Um, a little hard not to get excited, huh? <laughs> You, you said it, man, and, and you know, I, I think I have a reputation for being naturally uh, pessimistic, but, um, hey, I'm smelling roses. Maybe I'm, I'm smelling uh, whatever a Fiesta Bowl smells like, you know? All I know is if we're going to the Fiesta Bowl, Bladel's hooking us up. That's where his company's headquartered, and if they can be sending him all over the globe, they can, they can hook us up with the party, right? <laughs> you bet. All right, well, let's uh... – Move on, and uh, let's see if we can't uh, find old Jimmy. Well, as promised, we have uh, Mr. Bladel back on the line all the way from uh, across the Atlantic Ocean over in the, I guess, the Adriatic Sea. I, I was telling my wife you were in Montenegro, and she said, where is that? And I said, I think it's close, <laughs> to, I think it's close to Albania, and that, that really didn't help. Yeah, so. it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just east of Illinois. Uh, it's uh, one of the... Uh, south shore suburbs before you get to indiana it's no it is a former yugoslav uh, republic and probably the one that got all the pretty shoreline so nice um but out here for um for a week and then over to barcelona because my life sucks apparently <laughs> well we have exciting news for you jim we just got off the phone and an interview with scott dockerman who you know well and uh scott is crazily giddy and positive about Iowa's chances. He legitimately told Iowa fans like us to uh, expect um, 10, 11 wins out of this uh, team and uh, a major bowl this year and anything else would be a disappointment. So I think both uh, Bill and I were kind of uh, flabbergasted a little bit at the positivity. Not that we don't think the team's good, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it was very adamant that they were at uh, you know, legit top 20, if not higher team. Doesn't that also kind of feel a little bit like, uh, I don't know. I guess I've just had my heart broken so many times, you know, Jim, you're I'm, just like I'm me. nervous. I'm nervous about buying. I want, you know, I, one of my favorite memes, Tori, and you know, I've shared this before on Twitter and stuff is I, I put up like a, that a spoof of that uh, X-Files poster with uh, Mulder, you know, with the uh, instead of the UFO, it's that Herky. It's just like I want to believe. I want to believe that's true. I want to buy into the hype. Um, You're just like me, Jim, and I've had almost a day now to process the the Doctorman interview. And um, yeah, I'm I'm 11 wins, 10 wins. Uh, it just doesn't seem possible. But 
um, yeah, maybe uh, the experts are right about this team. Well, I will point out that the only other time that um, we've entered bowl season with one loss um, uh, on two occasions, we left with two losses. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'll tell you guys, I did see something that kind of backs uh, Doc up quite a bit, which was a, um, uh, I think it was a breakdown on the score, or, uh, or one of the ESPN analysts was talking about all the different uh, playoff scenarios, and they were just kind of saying, like, you know, could the, the question was, could the Big Ten get two teams into the playoffs? And the answer was, yes, if Ohio State um, uh, loses to Michigan in their game and Michigan wins the, the Big Ten uh, Conference Championship and Ohio State, you know, is the, you know, is the runner up in the East. You could see them, you know, they wouldn't fall far enough necessarily to get knocked out of the picture entirely. And they said, but the other scenario is you've got a uh, an 11 and one Iowa team going in to face either Ohio State or Michigan and they win the college, the uh, Big Ten championship. And they said their models predict something like a 70 percent chance that Iowa's in the playoffs. And I'm sitting here going, is this real life? Are we having this conversation right now? Well, or are people having this conversation about us? It's crazy. I, I think people are having those conversations because I did see somebody posted on the Hawkeye Report board today that uh, the odds of Iowa winning the national championship, I believe, are moved up to 300 to 1. Or maybe it's 200 to 1. And I think 200. They, 200 to 1. And they started the season, I think, maybe you know, Bill, but wasn't it 3,000 to 1? Ooh. That sounds right. So we're moving into whole numbers territory. <laughs> we're moving into, oh my God, we have a slightly better chance of being struck by lightning territory. Which, <laughs> which is, you know, in college football, that's something. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, and I think really one of the reasons uh, uh, that Scott was so bullish on Iowa is that the offense is looking like something we've haven't seen since maybe 2002 maybe 2009 I don't know but that where it's and we were talking about this actually even before we started talking to Doc but uh you know here's the thought Bill or Jim you're a defensive coordinator in the Big Ten and you have Iowa on the schedule what do you try to stop because if you load the box they can throw it over you if you really blanket those two outstanding tight ends the receivers are now halfway decent enough to at least make you pay for it you know, you play loose and the running game could still get on you. So, you know, how do you stop them? Yeah, well, I think the first, you know, your first point is, can you even stop the tight ends? I don't think anybody's found that matchup yet that works. Um, and, you know, uh, maybe, I, I, you know, you look at Wisconsin or some of the other games where the passing game wasn't firing on all cylinders the way it is now and that was almost on stanley and all the drops that you saw and everything and hawkinson was still grabbing everything that was thrown his way so it's it's kind of a question like nobody has shown that they can even get past step one in your formula right um i guess if i were just playing devil's advocate i'm not 100 percent sold that the running game is what we are used to from an iowa team just because that's kind of our bread and butter um I, I, and I also think that some of the reason we've had success through the air is because folks are trying to stack the box a little bit. But, uh, but boy, I don't, I don't know how anybody, um, you know, I mean, stopping Fant alone would have been uh, a challenge on a mismatch. But when you throw Hawkinson out there, both of them at the same time, and you know those wide receivers, it becomes a nightmare, like you said. 
Well, yeah, and the part that Scott said that really got me giddy myself was, and he said, you know, not only are defensive coordinators looking at this and not figuring out how to stop them, but all on the other hand, Iowa has still barely even started scratching the surface of the potential they actually have on offense. You know, to your point, we're doing this without Ivory Kelly Martin, who's our, allegedly our number one running back, um, some other nicks and bruises along the way, the receivers just rounding into shape. So, I mean, the thought of Iowa, you know, reaching full offensive potential and marrying that with a dominating defensive line and what appears to be a crazily resiliently good uh, linebacking and, and, and uh safety and corner core back there it's it's got to be a little terrifying for teams coming up against them i think you bet and going back to jim's point a little bit ago about our our running game that that's kind of underwhelmed to this point you know we did talk about ivory kelly martin being our best back he's only averaging 3.6 yards per carry as opposed to torin young's 5.2 and i think maybe that's a uh a product of teams stacking the box you know eight guys in the box and and I think down the stretch in the second half of the season, we start to see the offense kind of balance out like that 2002 offense, which at one point I think had exactly the same number of passing yards and rushing yards. So that's something that I'm looking forward to down the stretch here. That's a good point, Bill. And, and you know, I'd have to say my favorite back to watch right now is actually Makai Sargent because I feel like when he's in the backfield, he's he's um, you know, maybe not as powerful as Torin Young, but he's definitely shown that he's as elusive. I loved his, he had a couple of really nice spin moves uh, against Indiana. Um, so he's a little more elusive, and he's a really great uh, passing threat out of the backfield, you know. So I think he's in there. He's he's also your third down back, and I, I like Makai Sargent right now. I, I actually agree with you, too. Um, up until, I will say that he was my favorite back going into Indiana, up until that touchdown reception that Torin Young had, I think they hit him about the eight-yard line, and his torso was parallel to the ground for that final, what, 20-something feet. And he just <laughs> kept those legs going and was able to get into the end zone. So that was something that we haven't seen out of an Iowa back maybe since Sean Green. I don't know. So um, I, I'm, I'm still kind of juries out on IKM just because we haven't seen him so much. He's been injured, but... Uh, I, I certainly do like the one-two punch of Young and Sargent. Well, I think Sargent is proving to be one of the better blitz pickup and blocking backs they have, too. And on that same uh, topic, uh, what was funny to me is the best play that TJ Hawkinson had, I don't know if either of you guys saw this going viral on Twitter yesterday, but you know he had uh, the touchdown catch over 100 yards receiving, but did you see his block on that six foot three, 300 yes. pound guy? Just drove. Pancake that guy. <laughs> I mean, when you when you have a, a, a tight end with over 100 yards and a touchdown and the best play he made was a block. I mean, remember the blind embarrassment side of riches, man. Remember yeah, the blind side where as a, as a high school student what is it michael or whatever blocks the guy out into the parking lot yeah 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 <laughs> yeah this i think this guy left a an imprint on the on the field shaped like a hoosier uh, safety yeah well, I, I think i mean everything you know it's it's hard not to be excited i mean um you know things are looking up i mean i i like um i like the way the storyline plays out i mean obviously every you know we still Look, it's it's Iowa. We I think we're all just kind of bracing ourselves for that head scratching loss. Um, but but in all the successful years that we've had, 
you know, it's either been a so-so offense with a smothering defense, that's maybe 2009 and 2016, or a um, uh, or just a, you know a, an amazingly uh, amazing offense and, and a sort of a capable uh, defense. And I think that's 2004 and 2002, and it feels like we're kind of in that latter category right now. Very balanced. I mean, I, I you can't sell the defense short here either, though. I think they're top 10 nationally in uh, rush defense. So, I mean, this might yeah. be the most balanced team of the Ferentz era, to, to your point there, Jim. Um, maybe not quite the offensive fireworks as, you know, Brad Banks and Dallas Clark, and maybe not quite the dominating defense that we've seen other years. But uh, the combination of the two, maybe they're the closest they've been to both being really good. So... Uh, it bodes well, and uh, it's hard not to get excited as we move forward. So save your uh, save your frequent flyer miles, because it sounds like our holidays might be maybe be somewhere warm, if not. Uh, well, and I, I was going to say you you made sure to make that a suite that you've uh, got in yes. in Indy, right? Because <laughs> I have I'm starting I, every to believe year again. I rent, I rent uh, two suites at the uh, well. It's not right there, but it's downtown and. Uh, and then I cancel them every Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> not this Thanksgiving, damn it. That's the other thing. Doc not said. yet. He not says yet. Uh, he says two more losses minimum for Wisconsin. I'll take it. Uh, well, Penn State and who? Michigan State. I, I haven't looked play? that close at their schedule, but uh, you know, from Doc's yeah. ears to the Big Ten gods. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I guess we've got to get past uh, the work that's right in front of us, and I think that's. Uh, I think that's where Bill was going. Is we got Maryland coming to town? Yeah. Well, should we uh, talk a little Maryland and then, uh, or should we first uh, figure out the Gnome of Knowledge winner this week? Did we toast? Did you guys oh, toast with Doctor? We can't we... toast with you're not here. But and now I we're see. recording at work. All I've got is water. Oh, I got a water too. Isn't it bad luck to toast with water? All right. Blade so has got a beer for... though, so he's drinking. For I'm three. drinking for three. You can do it, man. I feel it. All right, let's toast it. <laughs> Do you actually need that verbal uh, signpost for your editing, Bill, or do you just like doing it? I, I, I don't know. I like doing it. <laughs> I like doing it, too. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's uh, pivot to our picks and real quickly look at uh, look at who the winner is. As I think we were saying that Tory. Look, everybody picked Iowa to win. I think we maybe gave Indiana a little bit more credit. Nobody picked the blowout. Um Tori, you had the greatest margin of victory for Iowa by 10 points, and Bill yeah. and I just had them winning by a touchdown. And I had Iowa um, scoring 45, I think? Yes. I had 42, you had 45. So that, that field goal put you over the top and beat me this week. Yay! <laughs> You're on the board, Tori. Congratulations. Yeah, first time in like 10 months. <laughs> Although I will I will point out that Bill's pick to click was Hawkinson, which I thought was a very very solid pick. Yeah. And Tory's pick to click in you know again you got to get your stuff synchronized because your pick to click on uh, <laughs> uh, on Hawkeye Report was Nate Stanley, and I was like, well, gosh, yeah. I mean, if you're picking 45 points, how do you not <laughs> covering my bases, guys? Covering my yeah. bases. Well, and my guy did uh, may have only had, I think, two receptions, but he did draw a number of flags because of his speed. So, you know, I had uh, I had uh, plus, Amir Smith-Marset out there. Plus he had that sweet hurdle move that mm -hmm. uh, was kind of went viral. So, oh, the no, yeah. no, no, don't return that, oh, my God, yes. 
play? <laughs> I think, yeah, Bill, I what did you say, say about that, Bill? I have to say, yeah, we were watching the first half of that game from the bar, and me and some other Iowa fans were like, oh, not again. When he, you know, that ball was about to bounce into the end zone, and he, he fielded it one-handed at the, like, one or two and I'm no, saying, I thought he went into the end zone, didn't he? Like he I ran the wrong way at one point, then reversed field. <laughs> and I think Bill, in in one of the, I think in in, in an email thread, you said it, it that single play encapsulated both the horror and awesomeness of Iowa special teams in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I had a flashback to who was it in the in the uh, bowl against Tennessee that decided he was gonna. What did he do? He kind of pitched it out of bounds at the two-yard line. Pitched it back into the end zone, didn't he? Uh, Bill's got around Jonathan that. Parker? Yes. Poor guy. It was, it was that poor guy. Um, but, yeah, that was a great uh, great play, so a good pick there. And, you know, Tori, you said you wanted to talk about Maryland. Um, I don't know anything about Maryland. <laughs> I know they beat Texas, and then I know they got spanked by Temple. So, well, I've been reading about it. What do you know? I've been reading about it, and what's really interesting is apparently they basically don't pass. They they run, and then they said in their running plays, twenty five percent of them are jet sweeps. So the mm. thing to look for this week is Iowa setting the edge. I guess Maryland is speedy, but not particularly physical. So the goal for Iowa needs to be to punch them in the mouth repeatedly and make them not want to play anymore, which I think this team's capable of doing. It sounds like their strengths play right into Iowa's strengths. So um, as of this recording, we're 10-point favorites, and I, I look for Iowa to cover. I don't know how we possibly screw that up, and I, I hope that's not famous last words, but um, yeah, their their quarterback is thrown for 650 yards through six games. Compare Stanley that. Stanley did that in the last two games. Right? Exactly. exactly. Yep. Well, so uh, okay, so I mean, it, it, they kind of almost remind me of Indiana and um, and Minnesota, and that they've got some talented athletes at key positions. They've got some skills, but they're just not putting it all together yet. And um, what what do, what do we know about their defense? I mean, I truly know very little about I them. I think this their year. defense has they, been solid, but I think overall, Jim, they're more kind of like a Big Twelve-ish kind of team. Think kind of West Virginia e. I think they've got a total stud at safety, and I can't think of his name for for the life of me right now. But beyond that, you know, serviceable. So if we if we get on track and and have a balanced attack offensively. I don't see how we can't crack 35 again. So that guy will be on Fant all day, right? You would assume. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's. I mean, that all sounds great. And what do we know about injuries? Are we have any linebackers coming back? Or I missed the. You know, it, I was working. It looks days, like so both. The press conference. It looks like both uh, Nick Neiman and uh, Hockaday are going to be back in the lineup, and it looks like. Uh, OJ Mudia and Hankins. I think the only big injury is uh, Brady Ross, our fullback. So, can, you know, I, can I say I don't want OJ Mudia back yet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he came out for a few plays last week, and I think he drew a huge penalty, right? I think he's a useful piece. I don't know that uh, he may not have been uh, Wally pipped, though, by young Mr. Riley. I will say that I think as a tackler, which is what we are going to be looking for more this week. I, I maybe he's uh, superior to Riley Moss in that aspect. Okay, that's a good yeah. And point, for a though. team that doesn't a team that doesn't threaten you, you know, to take the top off with their receivers, and maybe that's what you need, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I think so, this is another game where uh, uh, Amani Jones could really shine too. Although I guess the missing the tackles would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we talk about our picks and uh, picks to click then? Ooh, I'm All always right, ready. So. I think we put Jim on the spot since uh, he's the one that said uh, when you lose, you have to go first. Really? I thought it was when you win. No, you, uh, so right. you change it based on what you want to do, but I'm, uh, I'm taking yeah. control here because you screwed okay. me the time I got so bad and then you made me pick first. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, just like uh, you always we'll just, do, Jim. I, uh, you know, life is tough for Tory Brecht is the message, folks. It's so, <laughs> so rough. Uh, okay. So let's see. I think maybe we'll go with another shootout then. Um, uh I'm going to say 42 to 17. Is that similar to that? That's what the score was last week, wasn't it? 16, yeah. Uh, let's say 42-20. Let's say that. Oh. And because uh, I think maybe they they kick a little bit more. Um, and uh, my pick to click, I think I'm going to go with Hawkinson. Because um, he, uh, I'm going to take that one out from underneath you, Bill, this week. Um, because I think that, you know, not only does he just, he, he, he just makes the most of every single touch and every play. I really love that play last week when he, uh, you know, you could tell he was just supposed to go to the sticks and then head to the sideline. And then he went there and broke a tackle. It's like, well, hell, there's nobody in front of me. I might as well score. So it was, uh, one of my favorite plays of the year so far. So I'll go with Hawkinson on that because I think they're going to be draped all over Fant and they forgot that we actually may have actually, uh, you know, two all Americans, uh, at tight end. So. There you go. So that'd be my pick. I'm going to go with uh, Iowa 38, maybe not as high scoring as against Indiana, uh, but only giving up 13. I think, um, like I said, our strengths um, play right into Maryland's. I don't think they're going to move the ball too well on us on the ground, um, toss up in the air. Uh, so, yeah, I like Iowa um, by that margin. And as far as a pick to click, uh, I think the cat's out of the bag on, on Iowa's passing game. We we do indeed have a functional passing attack for the first time in years. Um, I don't think we're going to see us uh, light it up like we did the last couple weeks. I think we're going to be more balanced, and because of that, I'm going with Torin Young, my, uh, uh, my favorite of the three running backs. I think he has a big day. Very solid, Bill, and that was your score pick was around what I was looking at earlier, but uh, I'm kind of thinking about it, and I think a team that's pretty one-dimensional, I just don't see them scoring much on Iowa at all. Remember, we held a, a good Iowa State team to three. Um, we can play some defense, so I'm actually going to go with Iowa 31 to 10. The reason I'm not giving Iowa that many points is I think there's going to be a lot of running in this game by both teams. Uh, so I think we, we hit the 31 mark. I don't think this game is going to make us nervous. I think it's going to be a happy homecoming. Um, I actually, I think uh, I have a feeling Maryland's really going to try to find a way to stop Iowa's tight ends, which are going to open it up for the receivers. So I'm going to finally, somebody's taking him. I'm taking Brandon Smith this week. Uh, I know we keep waiting for the, the breakthrough week, and he's had some nice games. Um, My guy. But, yeah, let's see him shine this week. So 31-10, and uh, Mr. Smith goes to Maryland. All right. Well, I hope that's true. I will be watching for it on the streaming stuff. If you guys want to text me some scores, I probably won't complain. And I will be in your seats, Jim. Thank you so much for uh, donating your tickets to a good cause. I'm looking forward to my uh, first trip to Kinnick this year. Awesome. It's going to be a good one. 
going to be great. And then we're going to a really awesome concert, Titus Andronicus, at the Raccoon Motel and Whiskey Bar in lovely downtown oh, Danport. So uh, That is one of my favorite little small venues now yeah. in town. That's... So it's going to be a game and a day and a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, not much to say then except uh, echo all the optimism and uh, hope that we're not uh, uh, eating our words later in the season. But for where we sit right now, it's a good place to be. So we'll just close like we always do and say on Iowa. Go Hawks. Beat Nebraska. Everybody else does.